for great-looking T-shirts, hoodies, and sweatshirts. The TNT Shop is now open at tntradio.live. This is the Freeman Report with James Freeman on today's News Talk TNT Radio. Hello and welcome to the Freeman Report. My name is James Freeman. I'm a former member of the European Parliament, if you didn't know already. And this is my weekday show where I break down the big issues of our time in our fight for freedom, liberty and justice. It is Wednesday, the 20th of December 2023. How are you all today? Um, I'm all right, but I can hear the Lurgies knocking at my door. Um, my daughter's been really unwell for about a week now, bless her. She's been getting up in the morning, feeling absolutely rotten, coughing and all sorts. So I knew they were coming for me. <laughs> but um, like all well-informed freedom fighters, I've been taking zinc, vitamin C, D, um, K2 and magnesium. So hopefully um, any illness that I do get will be short and swift. However, please can I ask for some positive vibes from you all, um, because next week will be only the second week off I've had this year. So the thought of being ill for it um, isn't very appealing um, at all. So please send me your positive vibes right now. Okay, I've got a great show for you today. Um, sadly, June um, isn't appearing on today's show. Um, you know, as many of you who follow June will know, um, she absolutely adores her dogs. Um, and one of them um, sadly passed away in the last week. So June is grieving at the moment. Um, anybody who has a dog <clears throat> or, or, a, or a pet, a cat, will know that they become part of the family. So, um, so yeah, um, sending all of our love from TNT Radio to June. Um, she'll be back as normal um, in the new year. But we've got lots to talk about on today's show. We'll be starting the conversation today with news over the past couple of days that British musician um, Louise Distras was arrested by West Yorkshire police for something that she said on the telly box. <clears throat> we'll then be discussing the news from Colorado that judges in the US state have barred Trump from standing in the primaries next year, meaning if things stand, Trump will not be allowed to stand for election in the state in next year's presidential elections. We'll also be discussing the frontrunners in the battle for who becomes the next first minister for Wales and also other stories from the UK. My guests include cancelled musician Louise Distras. Well, I'm hoping she'll be with us. Um, she was on the phone with the police yesterday. So who knows? They they might have turned up on her door this morning. Um, hopefully, um, Louise will be joining us in a moment. Um, political commentator and former parliamentary candidate Jim Ferguson will also be on. And my other guests for today, so I've got three guests, is former head of health analysis at the Office for National Statistics, Jamie Jenkins. So we knew certain states were trying to stop Trump standing, but today's news is not is shocking nonetheless. Trump is polling at 63% in the primaries that will decide the next Republican candidate. His next closest rival is DeSantis on 12%. So Trump is on 63%. His next rival in the Republican Party is on 12%. The ruling in Colorado reverses a lower court ruling that Trump is eligible to appear on the ballot. Um, that lower court ruling stated that while Trump did engage in insurrection on January the 6th, um, Section 3 of the 14th Amendment says that this does not apply to presidents. This new ruling overru overrides that former ruling, meaning uh, as things stand, Trump cannot stand. And this is incredible because all seven justices on the Supreme State Court that made this ruling were all appointed by Democratic governors, meaning that this is once again a politically motivated attempt to stop Trump standing in next year's elections. And this is dangerous because a big percentage of the population of Colorado voted for Trump in the 2020 elections. Yes, Biden won that election with 55% of the vote, but Trump got a respectable 42%. 
And in terms of the national polls, Trump is leading Biden by around four to five percentage points. And that's if you believe those polls, because I think that if an election was held today, um, Trump would win by a larger margin than four or five percentage points. So what does this mean for America if this political use of the American judicial system is allowed to stand? And is, and is it essentially removes Trump from the national presidential elections next year. What will Trump supporters across the country have to say about this? They're very fanatical, a lot of them, about their support for Trump. What will they do if this stands? Particularly given the shenanigans that we've witnessed in New York, where Trump is facing more politically motivated fraud charges. Charges for fraud where there is no victim that has been defrauded. Yes, you heard that right. There is no victim of fraud in the case. The banks that approved the loans in question have said that Trump repaid them back on time. They made a handsome profit in interest. To imply that the banks would have just taken Trump's property portfolio valuations as verbatim without doing their own due diligence is madness. And there is also the fact that Alvin Bragg, the Democratic District Attorney, attorney prosecuting Trump, valued his Mar-a-Lago estate way below what is, is actually worth on the market. Now, whether you like Trump or not is not the point here. What is the point is that all of these attempts by the judicial system to stop him standing in the election are political in nature. And I really do fear for America um, and the road that it's going down because democracy is being burned in broad daylight and who knows what will happen as a consequence. If you want to get in touch, then as always, please email me at jamesfreeman at tntradio.live. And if you want to join in the conversation, get yourself right over to tntradio.live and click on the um the, the the chat icon. I can hear my throat crackling now. <laughs> Those bloody lurgies, eh? Um, so my name is James Freeman, and this is the Freeman Report for TNT Radio. Keeping the commitment. I love you guys. Unbelievable. 24-7. Listen to you every day, half for years. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. It's going to happen, Gemma. It's going to happen. I can feel it. I'm going to be ill all next week. Well, I've not been well, and I did discuss this with Dean Mackin, but, you know, there's a whole theory about illness now, isn't there? Especially over the last few years, we've learned a lot about so-called viruses, what they are, what they aren't. And, you know, it could be that if you go down this road, and I've gone down this myself, but haven't had a bit of a so-called lurgy, it could be the body's natural detoxification process, couldn't it? Because I thought to myself, when I felt this cold, upper respiratory tract virus thing, think something that would have landed me on a ventilator a few years ago uh, in the height of the scandemic. I thought, why have I got this now? And I thought to myself, I've been eating a lot of sugar. I don't normally do. I've been scoffing mince pies like they're going out of fashion. I love mince pies. <laughs> I've been getting all the Christmas treats in. I've been acting like it's Christmas every day, you know, in terms of what I've been eating. I've been putting on a bit of weight, you know, nothing wrong with that. But, um, you know, and I thought, yeah, my body's telling me, Jam, we don't like all this sugar. I was thinking that whole theory about, you know, the great book by Dawn Lester and David Parker, what really makes you ill. It's what you're putting in. It's the toxicity of your internal environment and your body's constantly trying to detox it out. It does have a lot of resonance with me. I know it's a controversial theory but I'm wondering you know people say they get ill in the holidays it's because your body's got a chance finally to detox after being under adrenal stress it's got a chance to flush out all the crap and the theory is you never get anything external it's always internal so I'm just putting it out there for you to think about James just putting it out there yeah I'm not I mean look I'm not saying there's nothing in what you're saying there but you know um I do believe there are things that we are called viruses that do spread around um, and I think obviously, you know, I think, well, there's lots of evidence for this. Um, and that is that, you know, the reason people get ill this time of year is because, you know, the shortest day of the year is tomorrow. People are spending most of their time indoors. They're not getting their normal vitamin D. Um, and it is a difficult vitamin to your body to absorb. Um, I do take vitamin D and K2. That's really important that you take them both together. Um, because if you don't take the K2, um, your body doesn't actually absorb it. And I've heard from leading scientists that actually it can lead to your body um, 
um, taking calcium out of your bones as well. So um, really important that you take them both together. But it, it's, there's no there's no substitution for spending time outdoors in the sun. So um, so that's kind of my theory. But yeah, of course, you know, your body does um, take on all these toxins, particularly with all today's products. But I haven't got a, a sweet tooth, um, Gemma. I'm I'm a carb man. I love my chips and crisps. That's my that's my sin. Oh, you're talking my language there. I don't normally have a sweet tooth either. <laughs> Obviously, this is not the new story of the day, you know, without two presenters don't have sweet teeth. That's not the story. Um, but I'm I'm like you though, crisps, chocolate, or um, crisps and chips, potatoes. Oh my god, I love potatoes. Um, I find it hard with those kind of things, but that's what I mean. I don't normally eat a lot yeah. of sugar, but I've been quaffing mince pies and my body went, nana, enough's enough. We're not having this. I, I it does resonate with me, it does. Right. Anyway, Gemma, you have actually got a story for me. So what's <laughs> I the story? Have actually got, I have actually got a story. I, I just want to correct you, not correct you, but furnish you with the fact that actually this year, the solstice, the actual solstice, where, the, where there's, everything stops in the sky for a few days until we start to move back towards the sun, it's actually early hours of Friday morning here in the UK. It's just before 20 to 4 on Friday morning. So technically, it's not tomorrow. I just don't want anyone in the chat to pick you up on that one. Um, so we do know the solstice is at 3.37 a.m., Friday morning and it's a very special time uh in the meantime I found this yeah story. but hang on, hang on 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 yeah it might be then but but tomorrow is the shortest day well you have to take it from when the when the sun when it all stops you know I, I, we haven't really got time to go into that I mean it, I suppose all right Google 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 is yeah. wrong then because if you Google it it says the 21st of December anyway anyway carry on carry on yeah well, let's hope your guest tomorrow, if we, if the one we were talking about earlier off air, he comes on, he'll clear the yeah. whole matter up for everybody. He's a okay, brilliant there astrologer. You go. He'll clear it all up, won't he? Yeah, right. There we go. Listen tomorrow, people. You'll get the download on the solstice. There we go. Um, so I found this story. I thought I'd bring it to the table because last week we discussed about how the richest families in the world are literally that. They're keeping it in the family. They, they are dynasties. They've got a huge amount of power. And a lot of them now are coming from the Middle East. They're wielding significant um, uh, power over the rest of the world with the wealth that these families encompass. And uh, there's this story about the one of the descendants of the Hermes family, which I think were mentioned when we discussed this last week. They're one of the world's richest families. Um, and he's a billionaire, but he doesn't have any kids. He's 80. And he's decided to try at least to leave half of his fortune to his former gardener, who's 51 years old. Um, and to do that, he wants to formally adopt him as his son. Now, I looked at that and I thought, is this a billionaire with a heart? Because, you know, they're not renowned for their sort of caring, sharing nature. So this story is about a guy called Nikolai Puet or Pew. He's a fifth generation descendant of Thierry Hermes, who founded the luxury um, handbag and scarves business, which is worth £183 billion. Pounds. Um, this uh, guy, Nicholas, he's got the ma he's the major individual shareholder. He's got 5.7% of the family business, which means his shares are worth 10.4 billion. And he wants to leave half of his fortune to his former gardener, his Spanish wife, and their two children, allegedly for um, the way they looked after him during the scandemic. And he was very touched by that. And he refers to the gardener as his adopted son, the daughter-in-law, his wife as the daughter-in-law, and their children as his children. Um, this has caused a massive, massive row amongst the charity that he founded. The charity is called the Isocrates Foundation, and it's ostensibly uh, a philanthropic uh, organization uh, which gives money to uh, civil society groups. It's very vague. It's one of those billionaire philanthropic organizations, which, you know, we all know what they can be like, George Soros, that kind of thing. We don't really know what it does. But the bosses of that foundation, which he founded, are absolutely going mad, saying this is our funding for the future. But he's saying, no, no, I want to adopt this guy. I want to give him nearly all my money. Um, and it is being challenged. Apparently, a source close to the uh, the family have said, we're going to take this on as an absolute legal challenge. Um, the money was earmarked for the charity. And they say that the gar former gardener and his family have had invasive sway over the the, um, the heir to the Hermes fortune, and they're going to challenge it in the courts. It, it, it doesn't mean it's going to happen. It does say that adoption of adults in Switzerland, which is where this man lives, is extremely rare. You have to have some kind of previous child-adult relationship for an adoption to go through, even if you're both adults now. Um, this is a kind of benchmark case. Whether it will be successful, I don't know. But whether the billionaire, you know, let's be charitable to billionaires, shall we? We're coming up to Christmas. Maybe he genuinely was treated really well 
by this man who's allegedly from humble Moroccan origins. Maybe he was treated really well and in a caring human way by this man and his family. And he thought, well, this is what normal people are like. You know, I'm going to leave them my money. I don't know. I'm just saying, let's try and be charitable. Coming up to Christmas, aren't we? Yeah, that's a real, um, I'll have to look into that story, um, Gemma. Um, yeah, that's really interesting. So being a billionaire, eh? Um, what a um, uh, what a position that is. Right, okay, um, we're going to go straight over to the break now. I'm not sure whether whether Louise is going to join us. So we're going to try and sort this um, out. That's why I'm a little bit distracted here because I'm trying to figure out what's going on. But we're going to try and get hold of Louise. Um, hopefully she hasn't been arrested again. Um, I did speak to her very early this morning. So we're going to try and sort all that out for you in the break. So don't go anywhere. Stick with me, James Freeman on TNT Radio. You should hear what Ross Cameron is talking about. I see there's a new trend taking place, sweeping uh, the internet of what they're calling sort of technology naked walks, where you go for a walk without your iPhone, without uh, a headset, and just alone with your thoughts. Apparently some people are finding it quite emotionally taxing, but subsequently liberating. Uh, certainly I find if I get into a motor vehicle with a teenager, it's a matter of seconds uh, before there is a request for uh, usually the latest uh, Taylor Swift song or some other form of electronic stimulus. We are generation apparently trained uh, for a very short concentration span and a desperate need for um, digital company. Ross Cameron on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. The is Britain's far-right conspiracy theory paper spreading hate and vicious lies. No, that's what the BBC say. The Light is the only national newspaper bringing you the real news and informed opinion on what's really going on today. You can subscribe, order copies, submit articles and read back issues on our website, thelightpaper.co.uk and see for yourself why the establishment are so worried about the uncensored truth getting out to people every month. The Light Paper. Not for right, just right so far. thelightpaper.co.uk the Freeman Report and James Freeman on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Right. Welcome back. Right. We are live. And a um, bit of evidence that we're live is that all the guests have gone to Haywall. So, Jim, there's been a technical problem. Um, we haven't been able to get Jim Ferguson on and Louise Distras. I mean, I know Louise. I spoke to her at length on the telephone yesterday so she wouldn't just go AWOL. Um, something has clearly happened. She was on the, the phone. She was supposed to be on yesterday's show and she was on the phone with the police for um, a couple of hours. So perhaps they've turned up at our house today. So we're live. Um, and so Gemma, Gemma, are you there? You're going to come help me out a bit? Let's, <laughs> let's find something to talk about. Let's, let's talk about the big story of the day just from a democratic point of view this story with Trump and what's going on in America. So we've got two things going on here. We've got these fraud charges in New York, which are absolutely politically motivated. They're fraud charges where nobody has actually been defrauded. Um, what the court is essentially saying, or the judge, who's a Democrat, by the way, is saying that Trump inflated his portfolio, his um, real estate portfolio, he inflated the um, the estimates, the value of that, so that he could get these loans off the banks. Now, the banks obviously do their own due diligence. They've they've actually said they were happy with the deal. Trump has repaid them with interest. They made lots of money. Um, Trump got his loans. Everybody's happy. So there's that. Um, and it looks like they're actually going to charge him with fraud. And now we've got this in Colorado. They're using quite an ancient, well, ancient in American terms, um, law here, part of the Constitution, which says you cannot stand for president or an election if you've been involved in an insurrection. Now, this again is a is a you know it's a bit of a um, uh, what's the word marginal kind of obscure part of the Constitution, um, and it's all been decided by seven judges, which were all picked by a Democratic governor. This is this. I mean, this is I think this is quite scary stuff when you consider how um, fanatical Trump supporters are. The fact that he's beating um, Biden in the polls at the moment, the fact that he's 63 percent um, his is polling in the primaries versus his next competitor is DeSantis at 12 percent. 
I mean, this really opens up an awful lot of questions about what's going to happen next year. What are your thoughts on this? Just from a you know, just as a um, from a democratic point of view, Gemma. Well, I just think as well, I think firstly, you know, if you're threatened by your, your your perceived enemy, you don't give the enemy the oxygen of publicity because it shows that you're running scared. You know, the best thing is you don't try and make a massive deal out of these things, which people can obviously see are trumped up charges. You just explained it there very succinctly in under two minutes, how how flimsy these kind of charges are. Um, you know, insurrection as well. I mean, Dean Mackin was alluding to this earlier at TNT, um, early on the, what is the UK breakfast show? You know, you have to look at the footage of this so-called insurrection it's anything but um so you know by giving him all of this power effectively that's what they're doing they say it's obvious they see him as a huge threat um i'm a i'm kind of not as engaged in the political process as i once was i i'm a big fan of thinking to myself and uh, echoing what a lot of other commentators in the so-called freedom movement say which is if you can see them on the world stage, they're not really in charge. They're having their strings pulled from behind the scenes. So I regard it as a bit of a theater, but this is a theater that is obviously gaining a lot of momentum in the US. And you're, you're basically saying, we're really scared of this guy. We don't, we're desperate for him not to win. We'll do anything, which is only gonna, like you say, rightly galvanize all of his supporters and raise eyebrows with uh, with people probably who are Democrats that are thinking, hang on a minute, you know, what's going on here? You know, it's a lot of time and money and resources and energy uh, spent at trying to trump, uh, trump what's a better word, quash somebody who you clearly they see as as, a, as a, another threat. So I, it's a strange way of going about it. You shouldn't really hand your enemy any power. Ignore them. Hope that they go away. That's, what, that's the strategy I'd employ. Yeah, but, you know, when you look at all these stadiums that Trump can fill, the fanaticism of his supporters, I mean, do you think... It's a real prospect. You know, people have got lots of arms in America that we could actually see civil war. We've obviously just seen the film that was produced by the Obamas um, called Leave the World Behind or Beyond, one of the two, um, which kind of is suggesting, and there's a film coming out in 2024 that's being plugged at the moment as well. And these all talk about the fact that, you know, America is going to go into civil war. Is this a case of pre-programming, do you think, Gemma? I think that's definitely, 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 definitely something we need to pay attention to more because the more you move away from what we're told and what mainstream society is and the more you really dig deep and you realize how much predictive programming has come out of Hollywood since Hollywood was filmed in its inception and how much of that is anything but entertainment and all designed to steer us in a particular thought form um, yes absolutely I go down that road if it's being put in the movies now that's something that is, is going to be on the globalist agenda within the next year two years definitely I'm a when you look back at everything I even think that show 24 remember when 24 came out with Kiefer Sutherland and they had a, the black president, a black president before Obama was elected black president, you know, first black president, that was predictive programming. When you look back, it was priming our consciousness, our subconscious for that very event. It's just a, a very, very clever way of doing things. So, yeah, if it's in the movies now, get ready because there won't be movies soon. There'll be documentaries. There certainly will. Right. Okay. I think I've been, well, you've been talking there, Gemma. I've been um, trying to get another guest on. So we're hopefully going to have Di McMillan, um, who'll be joining us after the break. But we're going to go to the break now. And um, fingers crossed, we'll have somebody on. We can talk about um, some of the trans issues and what's going on in Scotland at the moment. Um, so stay tuned. Definitely stay tuned with me, James Freeman on TNT Radio. Well, what's the news? TNT Radio News. Matt Boyland here with a quick look at your TNT headlines. More than 170 people with ties to convicted pedophile Jeffrey Epstein are in for an uncomfortable start to the new year, with their identities set to be revealed in the coming weeks. Russian President Vladimir Putin has accused NATO of encroaching on Russia's borders as part of a hybrid war being waged against his country by the West. And the White House has come under fire for denying it left behind any weapons during its rushed and chaotic withdrawal of Afghanistan two years ago. Globalist agendas, democratic rights at risk, corruption, propaganda. It never stops. For the news and views silenced by the mainstream media, by government and corporations, vote one. TNT Radio. Free speech always has a home here. Stay up to date with the latest live news and current affairs delivered by our lineup of expert commentators and hosts. Listen to TNT Radio anywhere you go. Ask Alexa or Google to play TNT Radio or download the TNT Radio app for free from the App Store or Google Play. Today's news talk. This is TNT Radio. 
Right, welcome back. Well, we have got a guest coming. Diamond Millen is um, currently, she's just logging on now, so she'll be with us in a second. Um, Gemma's still with us, um, bless her. Um, Gemma, um, you've talked a lot. I've heard a, a whole presentation from you on, um, you know, predictive programming, the power of TVs to hypnotise us. How, um, you know, do you think that's what's going on here? And how how powerful is that um, a technique for for I guess, you know, sort of programming the population. Well, I have done a presentation on this and it is uh, anyone who might be interested. I did it first uh, this year at the Glastonbury Symposium here in the UK, which is a, the longest running esoteric metaphysical alternative conference in the UK, 30, 30 years plus brilliant speakers over the years. And you can go to their website and see a lot of um, their presentations online. And mine is on there because it's quite a long thing, but it's nothing really new. The Nazis knew all about this, but it's the kind of the flicker effect. And that's what's coming off our screens, not just televisions anymore, unfortunately, but everywhere we go from tablets to laptops to digital phones, you've got this thing called the flicker. The human eye can't see it, but if you were to film it with a camera, which isn't as sophisticated as a human eye, you'd see that the screen's constantly cycling and revolving and giving off this flicker effect and that flicker effect puts the brain into an alpha state normally when we're running around in our day-to-day -day life we're on a beta state which is get things done very logical very left-brained but when you go into an alpha state it's the same state as meditation same state as hypnosis and you're very highly programmable when you're in an alpha state which is why a hypnotist will get you into an alpha state when they're trying to reprogram you about issues like weight loss giving up smoking they're trying to reprogram your subconscious core beliefs around those issues now we've all got core beliefs around many many issues and our core beliefs are normally filmed formed in childhood you know that's where we form our beliefs about the world and core beliefs can be changed and hypnosis is a great way of doing it. So, for example, during the pandemic, you were, everyone was glued to their televisions, which were give, pumping out these flickers and we were just watching them 24-7. And you'd be getting these mantras here in the UK, for example, stay at home, protect the NHS, save lives, stay at home, protect mm. the NHS, save lives. And as we're watching them, our brain's in an alpha state. So we're being programmed to stay at home, protect the NHS, save lives. It's very, very clever and it's relentless now. So even if you don't ever watch TV, you might pick up your phone and, you know, we're always relentlessly staring at our phones like this. like, uh, And you see people like in the real life staring at their phones because it's literally get, rewiring your brain and getting you into a different state of consciousness. So, yeah, it's it, it, it's a it's a thing. Um, it's a well-known thing. Um, and so you have to be very mindful when you're consuming anything off a screen um, that, of what you're doing and try and try and get your kind of the left side and the right side of your brain, your conscious and your subconscious to talk to each other and not remain separate. So you can you know that what you're absorbing is trying to influence your behavior, but you've got enough kind of savvy about you to not fall for it, to not be hypnotized. Allegedly, there are 20% of the population that can't be hypnotized. And I kind of think that those 20% are definitely on our side of the playing field. Yeah, I've tried to be hypnotized many times on various holidays and stuff. And people in the um that were with me, which I gen I knew were genuine holiday makers because they were, you know, they were staying in rooms in the hotel. They were there for the whole two weeks. Um, but they couldn't hypnotize. I've never been able to be hypnotized. So maybe I'm one of those people. Um, thank you for that, Gemma. I think we will have to get someone on to talk about this. I do find it very, very curious that the Obamas have produced this film um you know obviously is uh, a former president it seems very very odd to me um what is going on with all of that but anyway thank you Gemma um look forward to seeing you again tomorrow thank you Gemma Cooper right over to Di McMillan now hello Di how are you doing hi darling I am very well thank you very much how are you yeah, I'm good. Obviously, thank you for jumping on. You you were scheduled um, to be on tomorrow. Um, so thank you for coming on today. Um, Di, obviously, you're up in up in Scotland, in the north of the UK. Um, what's going on there at the moment? Well, yesterday we just had uh, the the finance minister, I think, uh, I think it was, who did uh, a mini budget type thing. Uh, for Scotland and decided that we here in Scotland should be paying more tax than you guys down south. Now, uh, a new tax band has been introduced for high earners. Now, I know that high earners aren't particularly the most popular people in the world. However, they are economy makers, you know. So when, when you're talking about, uh, for example, business owners who are in the higher earning bracket, 
you want these people in Scotland, mm. you want them to be creating wealth for our economy, for our people to, uh, you know, to, to incentivize growth in the economy, not chase them away to other places. And so, you know, I think, I think that has, uh, that announcement has uh, prompted quite a shift in uh, people's thoughts as to whether they're going to continue doing their business in Scotland. It's, it's an abomination, SNP, usual garbage. It's crazy, isn't it? Because we've got the same type of anti-business policies here in Wales. Um, there's the tourist tax. Um, you know, tourism is a huge um, uh, earner for Wales. Um, and we've now got a tourist tax. They put made all the standard streets, 20 mile per hour speed limits. Um, it does seem that, um, you know, Wales and Scotland, the governments there are not interested in business and they have actually anti-business policies. Um now, obviously, um, Hamza Useless, um, or Yousef, Yousef, I think it is, although he is useless, he obviously started off, he's had a pretty poor start to his term. Um, how are things going for him at the moment? I haven't heard him in the news much recently. Well, there are whispers in the grapevine uh, of more Hamza Useless bad behaviour. Uh, there are whisperings of... Uh, you know, during lockdown, there was a big hoo-ha about, uh, oh God, what's his name? Uh, Medazlam Matt, Matt Hancock. Now, Matt, Matt Hancock, Hancock had an, yeah, he had an affair with someone through lockdown and there was a hoo-ha and he breached blah, blah, all this, all that. Now, uh, names haven't been named, but those who can put two and two together have worked out that, and I'll not say that I believe this or that I am saying that this is fact. However, however, uh, the rumblings are that Humza Yousaf was having an affair with another Asian uh, SNP politician. Now, this SNP politician used to be Labour. And then uh, there was a wedding at which uh, Nicola Sturgeon and various other SNP high hedians went to. And there are conversations about stuffed brown envelopes full of cash. And then all of a sudden, this, this uh, now SNP MSP is now a member of the the Scottish Parliament, and you know it's it's all very corrupt. It's all a bit sketchy. Now I'm not saying that I have any facts on this. I'm saying that this is the rumours that are going around. Uh, but it's as dodgy as you like. And there's a uh, Peter Morrill who recently was found to have purchased a brand new uh, hundred thousand pound jaguar car oh, and then yeah, within I heard about, about that year, yeah it flogged it to we buy any car it's like how behind you know it's like crazy corruption madness 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 how crazy are these people and the scottish people are have been they've been brainwashed into this whole thing the snp will get independence for scotland independence under the snp would be awful could you imagine if we had, uh, uh, I mean, the Section 35 where the gender reform uh, bill was concerned, that was a godsend for people with common sense where the, mm. uh, the Westminster government stepped in to say, no, you are not making these changes. And, uh, and thank God they did that because, you know, the SNP unbridled are just uh, uh, an utter abomination. And they they would they would crucify Scotland for their own gain. Oh, it's just crazy, isn't it? I mean, you were on the show. You've been on the show a few times um, before, haven't you, Di? Um, but when you were on the show last, we were giggling about the photos of this, um, you know, mobile home. What is it, camper van type thing? You know, a serious vehicle over a hundred thousand um, pounds being towed. <laughs> 
from from the was it Nicola Sturgeon's parents' house where they'd stored it. But this, of course, was bought with um, I think it was bought with SNP funds, or certainly that was the question going on and the investigation. And now we find out this Jaguar. It's a top of the range Jaguar. I think it, I, I think I read that is it eighty ninety thousand pounds worth. Ninety-five thousand pounds worth. Ninety-five thousand yeah. pounds worth. Now the the yeah the the camper van that was a bit of a hoot, wasn't it? I uh, now that was parked up in Nicola Sturgeon, her mother-in-law's driveway, so it was well hidden. Do you know it wasn't like there was no literal it, connection to her. Yeah. Do you find this? I mean, I find this quite odd. And, you know, putting my conspiracy hat on, uh, my tinfoil hat, whatever you want to call it, because, you know, when you've watched Nicola Sturgeon operate over the last, what, half a decade or whatever as a politician, she, nothing goes by her. You know, she is absolutely, you know, you might disagree with a lot of what she's done politically, but she is really astute. It just all seems really fishy that this whole, I mean, maybe it's just a house of cards that has fallen, um, which has been waiting to fall for some time. But it it just, it's got this appearance of everything suddenly, all of a sudden, just falling to to, to pieces. Um, what you're, you're, We've got to go to the break um, in a second, Di, but your final piece on this. What What's your thoughts on basically the last year and a half in Scotland? Oh, I think I certainly... Scotland has uh, begun to open its eyes in the way of cronyism, uh, internal corruption. Uh, these things are being uh, exposed in newspapers. They are they're there for the public to see, and I think it's fantastic. the The stuff that we have been discussing behind closed doors for quite some time is now out there in the in the open, and people are certainly. Certainly in the polls, they are making their decisions mm. that they are no longer trusting the SNP with their uh, hollow promises of independence for people. I think that they understand now that it's not economically viable and doable. Yeah, see, to me, I, I'm my, my conspiracy hat, my radar is flashing red. And is what it's saying is that obviously, you know, the WEF and others, um, these, in, you know, international organisations, they want... A Labour government. They want a Labour government with a huge majority in the UK, so that they can just push through all of their policies. And I have suspicions. Um, like I said, this is just my conspiracy theories, but I have suspicions that this is part of that jigsaw puzzle to make that happen. Anyway, thank you very much for joining me. A very very short notice, Di. Um, love you to bits. If I don't speak to you before Christmas, have a great um, Christmas break, and we'll get you on the show again soon. Right. OK, we're going to take another quick break. And when we come back, we'll have my old friend and colleague. Well, he's my he's not my old friend. He's still my friend, but he's my old colleague from the Office for National Statistics. Jamie Jenkins will be on with me. So stay tuned with me, James Freeman on TNT Radio. De-weaponizing weather with reality and perspective. A few weeks ago, it was brutally cold across Europe. That colder air moved into the northern and central parts of Siberia and is now moving through China where they've had some of the coldest temperatures that they've ever recorded. Now, this cold air, when it comes out over the Pacific, is going to cause a very interesting phenomenon. We're going to see this big upper air low pressure system really get cranking around the Aleutians. When that happens, the whole weather pattern in North America, which has been very, very warm, is going to change. What will happen is you'll get a big upper air high pressure system that will develop in response to that, over the western part of North America. And that will send the Arctic air down into North America, especially the central and eastern part of the United States, for January. Now, what's interesting is, this is known as the bathtub slosh theory, except that it doesn't really slosh. The theory is if it's cold on one side of the pole, a month to a month and a half later, it gets cold on the other side of the pole. But the way it accomplishes it is through a process where the cold air in Asia moves out over the water and because the water is warm, causes the development of this big upper air storm, which in turn changes the weather pattern across North America. So we are not only the climate watchdog, but we're the weather watchdog. And while we've had a North American December exactly opposite of last year, well, guess what? Winter quit last year in January and February in North America. 
It looks like it's going to start coming out gangbusters this year, but not till after Christmas. This is TNT Climate and Weather Watchdog meteorologist Joe Bastardi asking you to enjoy the weather. It's the only weather you've got. When the world's endangered animals need help most, when their lives are at greatest risk, when they would otherwise be lost, the International Fund for Animal Welfare is there, taking action to rescue the animals we love, to protect them and their threatened natural habitats. See how you can help animals and people thrive together at joinifall.org. James Freeman on today's News Talk TNT Radio. Right. Well, we're going to stick with politics. Um, obviously, we've just been talking about the absolute collapse of the SNP in Scotland. Um, but we do have our own regional government here in Wales as well, where I live, um, as Mark Drakeford has just resigned, hasn't he, Jamie? Yeah, good uh, Good morning, James. He, yeah, in the last uh, week or so, he's, he's resigned. He was interviewed, interestingly enough, on ITV Wales. So that's one of the national broadcasters here on Monday of last week. And they asked him the question, when is he going to resign? Didn't say anything. And then out of the blue, 48 hours later, he said he was stepping down in March. And some early front runners have been chucking their name into the ring. Uh, Vaughan Gethin, people who might wonder who he is. He's the former Welsh health minister, made a complete shambles of the health uh, response for covid and jeremy miles who's currently um overseeing education at the moment which again is in a bit of a shambles in wales so bit of a people some people are saying it's a shock you know we stood in the last uh, set of elections he did say he was going to stand down around halfway through so i suppose we we're about halfway through but if we might touch on in a second what is draper's legacy not very good i don't think no, it's pretty pretty horrendous, to be honest with you. And I think that this is obviously a strategic decision by the Labour Party because, um, yeah, he did say he was going to stand down, but I think he was planning at the time to probably go a little bit further than this. But, of course, you know, they've been um, on the end of some pretty unpopular policies recently. We've had the 20-mile-per-hour speed limit brought in, um, which, as we talked about last time you we were on, Jamie, was actually in their manifesto, but... Sadly, only 47% of the population turned out to vote in the last election. So, you know, this is what happens in politics when people don't vote. But they've been on the end of some pretty unpopular policies. More people signed the petition against that than actually voted for Labour in the last elections. So, I mean, what are your thoughts, Jamie? Personally, I think this is a case of they're trying to wait, wipe the slate clean but it does seem that it's um it, like i said it's it's happened quite as a reaction to something because it doesn't seem that there's any really strong forerunners that the party has put forward it seems that this has all just gone happened all of a sudden and they're reacting to it yeah but if you go back to when um carwin jones the previous first minister said he was standing down I think he was born Gethin, Lynyrd Morgan, who's the current health um, minister, and Mark Drakeford himself, who put themselves forward. So it wasn't a very strong list there. But people have got to remember now, Mark Drakeford is more aligned to the Jeremy Corbyn side of the Labour Party than he is the Keir Starmer side of the Labour Party. And we are going to have a general election next year. So maybe Mark's thinking himself, if he doesn't want to be out there on the campaign trail, perhaps helping with Keir Starmer for that general election. And, and it might be easier for him to go now but but you're, you're spot on in terms of what you say with the, the kind of incumbents and who would come in. You know, I, looking at it, there's not much talent in the Labour Party. There's not much talent in Welsh politics. And if you look at the COVID inquiry, there's not much talent in British politics to overall because we've struggled with British prime ministers to try and get those in recent times. So, you know, pe some people will say it's sad to see Mark Rayford go. Uh, I'm not going to be one of them, but we will be seeing some big changes at a national UK level and at a Welsh level over the next six to 12 months. And do you think, um, for those of you who don't follow Welsh politics, um, Labour have essentially been in power here in Wales since the Parliament was created um, around 20 years ago. And it's largely as a result, you know, that, that, that there's a saying in the valleys here that if you put a red rose on a donkey, they would vote for it. And the reason that that saying is, uh, you know, it's a stereotypical uh, comment, but it's actually true. The reason that's true is because of what happened in the 1980s with Margaret Thatcher and um, the miners' strike, um, it was a huge event in Wales. Um, it devastated lots of families here. And because of that, 
they um, a lot of people here will they they're not they don't even follow politics but they will vote labor and another saying here is you know my grandmother and grandfather would would turn in their graves if they knew that i was voting blue do you think we might be at a turning point in welsh politics jamie i think there is a slight turning point now how big that turn is is going to be played out over the next few years and the reason i say this is that historically the welsh media have never really taken on the labor party themselves as well in terms of obviously the bbc themselves would be seen they would argue they're impartial similarly with itv when they're doing their news and politics broadcasting but when you come to the newspapers it's pretty much been a welsh labor supporting paper the western mailers in wales you've got the south wales Argos. many of the papers very left-leaning so there's never been much scrutiny on what's going on. But social media, I, I've never seen it. And social media can become a little bit of a bubble. We've got to recognise that. But I know a lot of people who have supported Labour for many, many years. I've never seen so many people as angry as this 20 mile an hour policy. Now, that might have woken people up. The COVID, the aftermath of the COVID pandemic, a lot of support for Mark Drake for doing it. A lot of people are fed up since the back of it with all the impacts of waiting lists. So I think we're probably at a turning point. But the number you've already cited today, though, is most people in Wales don't vote. So are we just seeing more and more mm. of that vocal 54% saying they're dissatisfied with Welsh Labour? It's not going to change. No, remember, similar with national elections, if the 54% who didn't vote voted for any other party, they would be out of power tomorrow. So that is the big challenge, is getting people to think they can make change. Because you know what it is, James, you speaking to people yourself, we're like, I'm not going to vote for anybody. They're all as bad as each other. That's the problem you sometimes have. Yeah, and it wouldn't even take the 54%. All it would take is 10% of that 54% to come out and vote for someone else. Um, and that could turn the whole election upside down. So if you're listening to this and you do live in Wales or you live anywhere in the world, actually, um, I know we're all worried about the political system being captured and, and corrupted. But votes still count. And if people do come out, I mean, Brexit was an example of this. And there again, I know Brexit hasn't been delivered in the way that people voted for it. But, um, you know, we can give the establishment a bloody nose and we can show them um, actually that we have the power, that people have the power if people just come out and vote. Um, Jamie, um, the other story that um, I've been looking at over the last week is um, the BBC licence fee. Lots of us don't pay it. I don't have a TV license because I don't watch live TV as it's broadcast. And I also don't watch the BBC. Um, but um, they, they're thinking of or they've announced they're going to put it up by, I think it's about 9% a year, um, which is a lot, isn't it, um, in a cost of living crisis? Yeah, so the, th the thing with the BBC licence fee, so for those uh, listening and watching who aren't familiar with what we have in the United Kingdom is basically you have to have a licence, as you've said, to watch live TV, but that's not necessary to watch the BBC. If you want to watch any of the other channels, even like live sport, you technically have to have a BBC licence fee. You know, The BBC are, will provide the television and radio services as part of that. Now, you don't have to have a licence fee to listen to their radio services, but... It's clearly now at a point where it's, you know, completely outdated. I spend a bit of time in the BBC newsroom there uh, and a, a huge amount of money goes into that newsroom to provide lots of news. But the competition struggles to compete with the BBC on a lot of things because they have like people, loads of people working there and they can do that because of this monopoly they have with the money. Now, in a world where you've got the likes of Netflix, you've got Amazon Prime, you've got Apple TV, you've got Discovery Plus, you know, you've got YouTube. I know this is obviously broadcast on YouTube. You've got a plethora of choice out there. But the BBC viewing figures have been going down year on year on year. If you go back 20, 30 years ago, there wasn't much choice. People generally watched the BBC. They, it wouldn't be uncommon for the television shows on Christmas Day to be getting north of 18 to 20 million viewers. Lucky to get around 5 million these days. So the days of the licence fee... Are they over? I think, sadly, they probably are. But when which government's going to basically get the BBC to stand on its own two feet and basically compete and get the money in through consumer choice? Yeah, and you say sadly, and I, I've spoken to a lot of people about this, um, and they're genuinely upset about this because I think the reason people are cancelling their TV licences in such big numbers is because of BBC News. 
um, because of what they did over Brexit, their bias there, because of their bias, well, not just their bias, but their their lies and the way they misled the public over the pandemic and the way that they just, you know, all we heard was death, death, death from the BBC. So I think <clears throat> a lot of people are cancelling the TV licences because of that. But the BBC, of course, does a lot of other stuff. And some of it is really good. You know, I watch or I used to watch, you know, the coverage of Glastonbury, for example, um, some great bands there. But they do all sorts of um, I'm not going to go into the nature programs because that's a bit um, of a, a political hot potato <clears throat> these days with climate change and stuff. But they do make good programming. So when I've had this conversation with people, they do say that, no, 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 we should cancel the BBC. But I think that's the truth, isn't it? What's your view on that? Do you think it is the news, essentially, or Gary Lineker, or the obscene amount that it's spending on on its stars? Which do you think is the main reason for, for people cancelling their licence fee? Well, yeah, news is is one of the big things that people do see on a regular basis. And you're right, you know, how many times did we see medical wards and BBC reports of nearly everybody on these wards are unvaccinated? You go on my Twitter or X profile, I was calling a lot of that out at the time because whilst okay maybe they'd argue the ward they were on everybody who's unvaccinated were in hospital that didn't reflect the national picture so you can obviously skew the news i remember my first day when i went on as a comment to the bbc newsroom james and i actually said how do you know what to cover wednesday's news because it's monday how do you plan for the news on wednesday and they said, we make the news, we decide what the news is. So you will know that a vast majority, if something breaks, like a murder or some big political outburst and something on the day, they'll cover that. But a lot of those news articles that are on each of the news programmes are planned well in advance. They decide what they're going to cover. So they do make the news. They drive a lot of the news agenda. And is that a fair balance of what they should be covering. I get fed up of watching Justin Rowlatt, the BBC climate change editor, reporting not news, but his opinions half the time. And I think you're right yeah. on there. People are getting rightly fed up of it. Well, the other thing people are getting rightly fed up is is that lots of people now actually see the lies that are being told. I mean, you know, you had upwards of um, three quarters of a million people coming out for some of the freedom rallies in London, which the BBC refused to cover. Um, they covered all the Black Lives Matter um, protests. But, you know, so there's an awful lot of people in the country now that have seen the bias for themselves. They've seen um, the way that the BBC distort the news. And I think that's what's happening here. Right, Jamie, we have run out of time. Um, obviously, it's Christmas next week, so I hope you have a great, you and your family have a great Christmas break. Um, we'll have to catch up for a drink at some point, um, Jamie, um, um, and, and maybe even a mince pie. So thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen, Jamie Jenkins, former head of health analysis at the Office for National Statistics. Right, okay, I will be calling Louise in a minute to find out what happened. I hope she's um, not with the Rosas again, as she calls them, um, but I'll um, I'll tell you on tomorrow's show. Um, but don't go anywhere, stick with us on TNT Radio.